Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. All right, here we go. What you think about. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. We're going to have a really interesting conversation today about caring for the caregivers. Uh, but before I introduce our guests, I always like to give a shout out and, and welcome those who are new to our show. For, for those of you that this is your first time, Alzheimer's Speaks is true talk radio. We're not just about uh, sound news, or we're not just about sound uh, bites, but truly sound news. We like to have a real conversation with real people, um, big and small, all over the world. So if you're diagnosed, if you are caring for someone with dementia, an advocate, a researcher, or a professional in the industry, we would love to talk with you as well. Everyone is welcome. And the number today, because we are live, so if you have questions or comments, you can call in is 323-870-4602. Uh, let's see. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Brookdale Senior Living of North Oaks. I facilitate a support group for them, uh, connecting caregivers with others. We do that the last Wednesday of each month. That is meeting in person at this time from 10 to 11 a.m. at the Shoreview Community Center. And then Arthur's uh, Senior Living Uh, and senior care, we do a memory cafe the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at one o'clock, and that is virtual, and people around the world are welcome to join that. Uh, And then this week, also on October 21st, I'm going to be doing an in-person presentation that is sponsored by the Waters of White Bear. And it's entitled Dementia Shifting from Crisis to Comfort. That'll be at 4 p.m. And masks are required. You can find out about all of these events at alzheimerspeaks.com. We also have a couple of international um, conferences that are coming up. One is the Plymouth International Virtual Dementia Conference. That's going to be held October 27th, November 3rd, and November 10th. That is free of charge. They're going to be talking about the challenges and solutions in a COVID world. And then also, um, let's see, on November 2nd, the Dementia Research Charity Brace is doing a conference entitled Together for Dementia. And they've got people coming in from, again, all over the world with that one. There is a nominal fee. I think it's like 10 or $15 for that. But you, again, can find information by going to alzheimerspeaks.com or you can uh, just email me at radio at alzheimerspeaks as well. And then I do want to, of course, mention Dementia Map. We are getting new people and new companies and, and levels of support 
uh, for you there. It is a free service, you know, internet available 24-7, so check it out. Um, and if you are an organization or an individual that has resources, products, or tools, we'd love you to join us. So, again, just reach out to me on that. I would be more than glad to uh, show you how, how it all works. And, again, just go to DementiaMap.com. We're going to hear from the Footbar Walker real quick, and we'll be right back with our guest. Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The Footbar Walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Footbar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's the thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Footbar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Footbar Walker. You know, I love that Footbar Walker, and right now you can get a coupon code and save $50. So is the full charge is only $199.99. This thing is amazing with this uh, lever that comes down that the care partner can stand on and the high top bar that the care partner just puts their hand on to hold and then the, a person up to 350 pounds can actually pull themselves up. It is pretty amazing and um, lightweight, uh, easy to use all over. So let's now introduce our guest today. There's just not enough support in the world for all the people taking care of others. And today we are lucky to have Linda Burhans with us. And she is known as the gal who cares for the caregivers with love, laughter, and lessons learned. And oh, can I appreciate that. Her mission is to empower uh, caregivers and ease their burdens and help them find joy in the journey through education, comfort, and support. So welcome. Linda, how are you doing today? I'm fabulous, and I have to tell you, I love that football walker. Isn't that amazing? I, I just Absolutely. can't believe everyone's not using it. So we just have to spread the word on that thing. It's just, it is really incredible and decreases injuries to both family members, those that, yeah. you know, need, need the apparatus and professionals as well. So wonderful. Yeah, well, perfect. thanks for squeezing us into your busy schedule. We actually had to reschedule because uh, <laughs> she was going to go see Tina Turner, and she's like, are, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Tina trumps us any day. You go for it, girl. That's, that's fantastic. So, well, I'm going um, on Wednesday, so I'll let you know all about it afterwards. Yep, yep. So this this worked out just just fine. Um, you know, every guest I have, I always like to ask them first, just so our audience gets a feel. Have you been touched personally in your own family or circle of friends by dementia? Yes, and continue to be so. Well, aren't you so, the lucky soul? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you know, years ago, you remember Rosalind Carter said, "You are a caregiver. You have been a caregiver. You will be a caregiver. Someone will be taking care of you." 
So I always yep. tell everybody it's an equal, it's an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> everybody gets yep. an opportunity there somewhere. Yep. Well, and that is so true. And I think that's one of the the things that, you know, I think people view caregiving as a negative, but we are throughout our whole lives, if we know it or not, you know, the roles, yeah. the role changes um, and we just have to be better prepared for that. And again, knowing that someday, you know, we're going to need support. And if we are honest and look back in our life, we already have had support in many different yeah. fashions from friends and family. Um now, I want to ask you, because, you know, you talk to so many people, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges that, that caregivers have? Or some people refer to them as carers, care partners, care companions. Um, doesn't yeah. make any difference what the word is. It's the role you're playing. But what well, do you I'll say are the, 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 the oh, two biggest things they say when they come into a support group is, number one, my life wasn't supposed to be this way. Mm-hmm. And, and number two, what happened to my family and friends. Mm-hmm. because I think people don't know how to help us. I think people are afraid of the disease. I think they don't know how to deal with it. And I think as, as caregivers, care partners, whatever word we want to use, we have to teach them how to do that. We have mm-hmm. to accept help when it's offered to us. We have to help them. You know, like a lot of people will say to me, oh, um, when, when people come over, they don't know what to talk to mom about, so they just kind of sit there awkwardly. They don't really even know what to do. And I say, just make a memory box. You know, if mom was a Girl Scout leader, print out some pictures of Girl Scouts. If she lived in Brooklyn, pick it, put some pictures of Brooklyn. And if you want to go one step further on the back, write down what her old address was or what her troop number is. Because then mm-hmm. you can get into an instant conversation. And that means so much to the person who's caring for them because it gives you a chance to breathe just because they're having a conversation with somebody else. I always say that caregiving can be the most horrific experience of your life or close to beautiful, depending on how you handle it. Totally, totally agree with you there. Because uh, people ask me that all the time is, how, how'd you get to the joy? <laughs> you know, where's, yeah. where's the, is it door number one, two, or three? Which one? Just tell me. <laughs> you know, and it, it's not that easy um, because it no. really is lessons learned throughout. And, and, and education. Mm-hmm. Yep. Education and, is the most important thing. Yep. Well, and don't you think also um, being open to changing our delivery styles and our expectations, uh, which I think yeah. is what we teach, you know, through the education. But I think a lot of times, you know, we're, we're sold on a magic pill is supposed to fix it. You know, if I just do this, right. it will be on track. And, and dementia, you know, dementia is very fluid. And yeah. um, it changes all the time. And, you know, I always say that the, I think dementia is here to change the world. I think we we have to learn to care for one another better. And this is kind of forcing yes. us to do it in a lot of ways. Um, well, I love Recently, a caregiver said to me, dementia saved my marriage. I said, what? Oh. I've never heard that one before. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, my my husband was always go, 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 even when we were on vacation, every minute, go, 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 go. She goes, now he's like, hey, babe, what do you want to do? She said, mm-hmm. it saved my marriage. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, and those gifts are are in this disease. We just have to look at them, and sometimes we don't see them because they're wrapped in really strange packages, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but but they're definitely there. I loved when I asked you, you know, what were two of the, the biggest things that, that 
people are dealing with. And and I totally agree with you um, that that saying of <laughs> my life wasn't supposed to be like this. I mean, we all have plans. We all have goals, um, especially as we're aging for retirement and things like that. And people just feel sideswiped. Yet there are so many families dealing with this. We all just feel like we have this protection around us where it's never going to happen to us yeah. or our family. And, you know, and we really have to get past that and learn to get more educated because, you know, dementia doesn't know any boundaries and it doesn't really care what your plans are or were um, if it's going to hit you. And the other thing you had mentioned was about the big changes about what the heck happened to my, my friends and family? You know, where did they go? What's going on here? I mean, that that is such a huge loss, even if a person um, kind of gets on, on board with, okay, so my life isn't the way I thought it was going to be. I thought I'd still have my family and friends around me to support right. me through this. And right. and that is such a lonely, lonely feeling. What what do you what do you tell people um, when family and friends kind of fall away? I think you have to be honest with them and speak to them. So it, on my radio show every week, I have a caregiver affirmation that, you know, it's telling the caregiver how wonderful they are and that they're doing good and that it's good to get help and et cetera, et cetera. And some of my caregivers, as I said, they printed that out and taped it on their bathroom mirror for when people come over, or they've actually printed it and mailed it to people. Mm-hmm. And said, this is how I feel. I just need help and I miss you. Because wow. lots of times I think people do want to help, but they don't know how to and they don't know what to do. And as and also what we do is someone says, is there anything I can do to help you? And we say, no, I'm okay. No, I'm okay. I'm good. Which mm-hmm. is always furthest from the truth. Yeah. And I think part of that comes because... Caregivers are already running around this little tornado. Now you ask me, what can I help you with? I can't even think straight. And now you gave me something else to put on my plate to think about what I can, you know, you guys can help you with. Yeah. So I, and it, it is hard, though, for, for people because they don't want to be intrusive either. You know, they right. they, they want to be protective of the privacy and, and and be respectful. And there's a really fine line um, yeah. between that and helping. And I, I can be honest, I'm going through that with a neighbor right now. And you would think I would know, you know, better than most just because of what I do yeah. and what I've gone through. And yet, you know, I, I, you know, we're close on some levels, but on others, probably not so much. And, and the kids yeah. are starting to step in now and we don't want to kind of squash that. So, you know, right now I'm I'm just kind of calling in all the time and I don't feel like it's enough. But, you know, I've asked about preparing meals and, you know, the, gotten the neighbors together willing to do that. But she, she doesn't really want that. And and um, so we're, we're trying to we're trying to work with all of yeah. that. And there's some special, you know, needs dietary wise. And so we don't we don't want to add to the problems needless to say either. Right. But, but it's funny. But, but I think the, the caregiver, if you keep if you keep saying no, 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 mm-hmm. then they stop asking you. Yeah. And then you're home and you're crying. I have to do this all by myself. Mm-hmm. Well, you said no to everyone. So I, I suggest the caregivers, when they have the time, if they can sit down and make a list of a couple of things they could accept help with. Yep. Just have that list ready. So when your neighbor comes over, you look at the list and you say, Hey, could you mow my lawn? 
They mm-hmm. go, yeah, but why am I only one for nine months? Yep. Yep. And one of my caregivers said to me, oh, I finally let the neighbor mow my lawn, but I told him he didn't have to do the edging. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm proud you let him mow the lawn, but next time let him do the edging too. Yep. It is. It's those little things, you know. Um, and for, like with my neighbor right now, she she just says how much she appreciates me checking in and just knowing that, that we're there to vent. So I, I kind of almost feel like I'm her vent tunnel. Um, which yeah. I think everybody everybody needs to, and that that does play a role. But I, I know enough not to give up, and you know we'll step in more if we're seeing seeing things um, yes. change again. But it but it is it is a difficult role for those who want to care. I, I think one of the things, and I'm sure you've said this to people too, Linda, is reminding um, caregivers how what you get out of giving care. You know, yes. and you're, you're denying that to others who want to help. You exactly. Know? You know, after after my mother passed away, I met a woman in the supermarket one day, and she said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm okay. And she said, you know, Linda, I'm sick of hearing that from you. She <laughs> said, when your mother was ill, you stole my joy. I said, I mm. did what? She said, you stole my joy. She said, I could see you swimming in quicksand, and every time I asked to help you, you said, no, you were okay. And you never really gave me the opportunity to get to know your mother. Mm-hmm. Yikes! Yikes! Yep. Yep. So if someone gets into this out there, give somebody an opportunity to know your loved one. Well, and how cool is that that she was brave enough to tell you that too? And yes. you And you heard and you heard that lesson, and and it resonated with you. You could feel it. And I mean, for me, I can feel that too because I went through the same thing with with my own family. And, you know, we have this joke. Well, I guess it's not. It's, I, I look at it more as a joke than probably they do. But <laughs> but I was the main caregiver. <laughs> and after my dad died, I was sharing stories. And my brother said, well, where'd you get all those stories? And I, I was thought, there. That's exactly, that's what I said. And then I felt so bad because they weren't. And then what came next was, you know, well, you guys could have come around. Well, Lori, you're kind of a control freak. No, no, no. I'm, I'm very, I'm very organized. You know, that's why I'm, I'm always kind of the leader of the pact when it comes to the fix-it person. And and right. so we dug a little bit deeper on that. And they, you know, they said, well, no, you're, we really didn't feel like we could meet your expectations. And I sat back and I thought, yeah, I could see mm. that. I could see. Yeah. But then I, but then I, I told them too, I said, I'll take some responsibility, but I'm not taking it all because you easily could have had this conversation with me before. And you right. chose not to. And, right. and and what was even more interesting is even after we had this conversation mm-hmm. and my mom was still alive and I was still caring for her, nothing changed. But, yeah. well, you know, but then I, as a, a, a caregiver, had to let go in trying to, in my mind, fix them and have them step up because I, I was losing a lot of energy and time and sleep yeah. worrying about that. And um, and that's a difficult thing um, to do. Well, I tell you, you I, I just came back from Maine and I'm seeing the leaves and all the beautiful leaves on the trees and everything. And, and I'm watching some of the leaves begin to fall and I'm thinking, we got to let it go. There's so mm-hmm. much we got to let go, you know, because... We try to take control, and you really can't. Yep. And there's many expectations. It's only, you know, who's supposed to act this way and who should show up. We've got to let it go. 
mm-hmm. because if we're angry or or any of that, we're gonna miss all that love with our loved one. Exactly. All that time with loved one. And and I will say another thing too. Many times we feel it's my responsibility. No one mm-hmm. can do it as good as I do it. You know, I know everything. Yep. And yep. I think sometimes the loved one is sitting there, and under their breath, they're saying, <clears throat> "I could use a break from you for a couple of hours too." Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My big joke is that I figure I finally figured out nobody really wants to spend twenty four seven with me, no matter how great I think I am, you know. And that you know, diversity is the spice of life. And even though people do things different, that makes their relationship. And as long as it's not a harmful relationship. Let them in, you know, yeah. let them in, let them be responsible and be thankful for what they can provide. And yeah. um, instead of, the, you know, what they're not in your eyes providing, let them, let them have their relationships. And, and that was something yeah. I, I didn't do as well as I wish I would have. Um, mm-hmm. But I tried to do better once I learned that lesson as well. Because when, um, when you know better, you do better. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Now, Linda, you mentioned you've got your radio show, but you do a lot of other things um, for people. You want to talk about some of the the other um, programs well, that I you have? Online, I do online support groups, and I do journaling workshops, and I do conferences and. Now I have a big conference coming up. It's uh, November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. It's virtual for caregivers. Three days, 18 hours of presentation. Um, I want to bring as much information to the caregivers as I can. And the good part about it, this is a good thing about virtual and everything is, even if you can't make it then, if you register for the conference, you'll be privy to all the recordings of all the different speakers. Mm-hmm. And each day at lunchtime, one day we're going to have yoga, one day we're going to have meditation, another day we're going to have emotional freedom technique. So it's a whole variety of different things. I, I just feel that the more education the, the caregivers can have, they feel less alone and they just know how to do a better job. Mm-hmm. Or the loved one and for themselves. Exactly. Now, in your in your support groups, I would imagine, you know, that people share. That's kind of what they're all about. What kinds of things do you hear from from caregivers in your support group about the group itself? You know, what do they well, like? What do they get out of out of well, that group? When we were still doing support groups live, it was right near the end when we were still doing it live, one day a woman walked in and she said, my doctor said I need a support group. so we all kind of giggled and everybody's always very welcoming and she said to me what do you what do you do here and i said we share resources and a shoulder and we and tips and she goes give me a tip i said excuse me she goes give me a tip i said all right so i'm going to give you a tip i don't know if it's appropriate for you but here's my tip if your loved one has to go to the doctors on friday don't tell them on monday because, you know, they're going to be asking you every single day. She said, oh, my goodness, my husband was up last night at 3.30 in the morning, all dressed, ready to go to the doctor's. She <laughs> slapped the table and said, I think I'm going to like this group. <laughs> well, yeah, because, in you know, in the past, we always gave people time, you know, and right. notice about things like that. But that is not a good thing. Oh, my gosh, we went through that with my mom, too. It was just, and she would get 
so anxious, even when she wanted to go, like she was big on getting her, you know, annual mammogram and going to the dentist mm-hmm. and things. And, um, and, and those were her ideas, you know, is that scheduled, you know, and, yeah. and yet she would get so anxious, so anxious yeah. about it. So yeah. we schedule it, but yeah, that's a great that little tip. tip to make a whole difference in your entire week. Yeah. Just knowing little things. And those are the things that happen in support groups. People, I learn stuff new all the time. This oh, is yeah. what I tried. This is what I did. And that's, see, that's another thing too. I do a Tuesday tip every Tuesday on Facebook and YouTube. I've been doing it for, I don't know, over two years now. Because mm-hmm. it's a short tip, you know, it's like two to five minutes. Caregivers don't have a lot of time to yep. be listening to radio shows and conferences and everything. That's why luckily they can listen to everything on demand whenever they want. Mm-hmm. But a tip can make so much difference. Oh, so much exactly. Difference. Well, and even when, you know, she said, what do you do here? And everyone laughed. It's like, yes, because everyone said the same dang thing when they walked in the door. What am I going to get out of this? And I know right. for myself, I um, I kind of fell into a support group. I was told I should go, and I just thought, I have no time. I, I have no time right. for a support right. group. So I, I went kind of by accident. I was going to go hear a peer speak. And then the nerve of him, he got sick and he wasn't even there. So here I am with that mindset of here I am in a support group. I don't even need what, what, you know, and I can't right. really get out because that, that would be rude. And it was the best thing that happened to me. And I'll never forget this question. She, uh, the facilitator um, asked all of us, what is the one thing you miss? And I mm. broke down sobbing, going to hug, because yeah. my mom couldn't hug mm. me anymore. And yeah. I'm thinking, okay, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll be back. I mean, and it just opened up a door to a whole nother world. But, you know, yeah. peers are so important. And, you know, your your friends that you have, you know, prior to disease is one thing. But friends that actually understand the disease. You get it. Can, can help you on a whole other level. So um, don't be as dumb as I was and as cocky as I was thinking that there wasn't time because those, those meetings fill you back up and they give you hope and you know, you're not alone. I mean, there's just so many things you'll get out of that group and it just, it happens organically. You don't have to work at it at all. It just happened. Yeah, well, I, 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 when I took care of my mother, I never made it to, I never even knew there were support groups, so, or if there mm-hmm. were or whatever. But I didn't find out what respite care was until I was in my bereavement group. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, and it, it's a confusing name, and people don't understand it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I wish yeah. someone would come up with a new name for that one because it Thanks. is. It's, right. It's kind of right up there, too, with, but I think people know about hospice, but they just think, oh, if I put them in hospice, they're going to die tomorrow, you know, right. and, and that's not the way that works either. I mean, my mom was on hospice, and, you know, she got better because of the attention yeah. she got. She lived three and a half more years, and then, yeah. you know, when it was time for her to pass, and she was put back on hospice, and that time, you know, it was it was her time, um, but, yeah, you None of us know those types of things, but respite no. is so important. Even like adult daycare, um, you know, that's another name. People are like, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, you know, he's not a toddler, 
you know, I, I don't want to put him in because that's what people I think kind of perceive it as being. And All right. So one, of, one of my caregivers just said recently her husband started going to adult daycare. We've been talking to her about this for a long time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he was just sleeping all day, every day. And she Mm -hmm. said, oh, my goodness, they sent me a picture of him. He's playing cards with the guys. He's playing putt-putt golf. She goes, I hadn't heard him laugh in a year. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then I have two women in my one support group that both take care of their moms, and both of their moms have about the same diagnosis. They're at the same stage. Mm -hmm. And on Tuesday, the one woman takes both the moms for four hours. On Thursday, the other woman takes both the moms for four hours, and on Fridays, they get together and they have lunch and go to the park. So each one gets four hours of time to themselves, and their mm-hmm. loved one is enjoying more things that are going on. Oh, sweet. That's yeah. neat. And you you do see people pair up like that. Um, yeah. There, there's a gal, I don't know if you know her, she's down in, in Florida, because that's where you're at, correct? Yeah. Aren't you? Yeah. Okay, um, Joy Goodman. And she really wants to get a community developed that is lower cost, where people can live independently yet together, kind of like in a one-level townhome situation, um, where they could support one another, where they don't have, you know, and then they would pull in resources as they need them. But it would basically be for um, people caring for a loved one with dementia, they all just live together supporting one another um, instead of having that distance between them and being able just to to help with that respite and to help find the joy in the journey. My girlfriend was traveling recently. I can't remember exactly where she was, but it was a community for adults. And what it was is it was for adults and college students. Mm-hmm. And they all lived together in the same building. Yeah. Okay, they had their own like little apartments. And the college students got a really cheap rent, but they had to help one of the other people 20 hours a week. Yeah. Whether it was food shopping or, or entertainment or whatever. And you see, there was, she said, there's all these seniors walking around with football jerseys on. And <laughs> he said it was just absolutely delightful. Um, and we have yep. to start thinking of some other alternatives. Exactly. I, lo- I love that. I know uh, there's a couple of communities that will have like interns, and they give them free housing, um, yeah. you know, to to live within the community. Especially a lot of these small college towns, you know, that would be something really easily to to uh, pull together there. Um, let's talk a little bit about finding purpose for a loved one. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is people come and they say, uh, mom is just sitting in the chair. Mom doesn't do anything. Well, first of all, you probably took everything away from mom. Mm-hmm. Because I find out many times, you know, for me to make the fruit salad, I can cut it in 10 minutes and it might take mom a half hour. So mm-hmm. we start doing it ourselves and we kind of take stuff away from mom. And then mom doesn't have too much to do. Or we don't know what mom wants to do. So, for instance, my mom. Um, would say to me, Linda, is there anything I can do to help you? And I'd say, there's some laundry there if you would like to fold it. And she'd say, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. An hour later, anything I can do to help you? I said, there's some dishes. And say, I don't want to do that. Well, my mother was a legal secretary, and that was a big deal to her in the day. Mm-hmm. So I went to Staples and bought 500 envelopes and printed out 500 phony labels and 500 phony letters and just said, Mom, if you could fold these and put them in the envelopes and put the labels on for me, it would help me so much. 
And mm-hmm. it took her like five nights watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeffrey to do it. But when <laughs> she handed it to me, she was so proud that she helped me. Oh, absolutely. She was so proud. So another caregiver said to me, my mom just follows me around the house all day. She doesn't do anything. I don't know what to do. I said, could I come meet your mom? So I went and I met her mom. Her mom's 92. Her mom used to be a teacher. Uh-huh. So first we talked about first we talked about all the rotten kids, and then we talked about how the teachers don't get paid enough money. Mm-hmm. And what we do now, every Monday we give mom a poster board and tell her that next week the teachers are going to teach the kids about flowers. So, mom, mm-hmm. we need you to cut all the flowers out of these magazines and glue it on the poster board, and there can't be any white spots. Mm-hmm. And it takes her two hours a day, five days a week to do it. And she mm-hmm. actually started bringing some of the poster boards to the school. And the kids started oh. sending thank you notes. Oh, cool. So she I'll feels she's still a that. teacher. Yep, yep. You know, I have, well, I have, let me tell you one other one. I have a woman who sure. her mother was a seamstress. So we give her a huge jar filled with buttons and then all mm-hmm. little containers to sort them. So sometimes she sorts them by color, sometimes by size, sometimes by shape. But then every now and then she picks up that one button and she's like, just like on the dress I made you in second grade. And they have a conversation. Oh, yeah. You don't know what's going to trigger a conversation, what's going to spark a a memory. I love, I love those ideas. Well, and I think, you know, the stigmas out there are still so strong about a a person with dementia. You know, so many people still think it's end stages. And, you know, they can't communicate, they're in a wheelchair, they're drooling, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. And they don't know. Some of these people are still driving. Um, Some people, you know, are still very active in that that the disease hits different parts of the brains for different people. So somebody still might be able to read to children where another person can't read anymore. Um, you know, I mean, there's just, there's so many different levels. I'm doing a, I just have kicked out, we did a pilot for arts and dimension educational panel. And we're going to, we're going to do it one, just once a quarter um, so that people can kind of get their arts together. But it was so Mm -hmm. profound, Linda, to hear them talk about their art, show us their samples and describe what it meant to them. Like there's, um, Mm -hmm. some did face masks, and some just painted the outside of the face mask. And then one woman painted one thing on the outside, then she painted another thing on the inside. And she says, this is what I like to project, but this is what I'm feeling. And she turned it around and just kind of go, whoa. Yep. And um, another, you know, we've had coloring, you know, poetry, um, painting. Yeah. Um, one woman um, paints with different, I didn't even know this was a thing, um, different colors of coffee. It's gorgeous. Really? Different hues of coffee. And, um, it's amazing. Yeah. And then one did clay. And the clay piece was so powerful, too. It was like a square uh, face, and it was just gray, and it just had kind of slit eyes and a slit mouth. And, yeah, I, and even I, who know better, was thinking, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, it didn't look real artsy to me. And then mm-hmm. he started explaining this piece, and he took this cube that I thought was all gray, and he turned it to the side, and in the back it had blue and yellow and green oh. just flowing out the back of the head. And he, And then he said, now in the face, he says, I don't feel a lot of emotion. So that's why... 
you know, my face is, is you know, it's not showing any emotion. And he said, in the backside, he said, this is the, the flowing out of my memories that oh, I can't control. And, I mean, what a powerful, powerful presentation to know that. Even for somebody like me who's been in this business, you know, and been living with, um, you know, my mom who had dementia, you know, almost, you know, going on closer to 40 years than not, I still didn't see that right away until he explained that. And then it just took my breath away on on the, the beauty of it. And um, I can't wait for more people to talk about what they can do. Or you have like Daniel Potts' father who, you know, they didn't know he was an artist until after the fact. I mean, a lot of people and what they're doing, you know, they can find purpose in so many different ways if we let them. You know, if we give them the tools and the opportunities to start and if we stop judging what everything is supposed to be like. You know, well, one, one time a woman came, she was coming to my support group for a while and her mom passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, they come back. Mm-hmm. And she came back and she said, my dad has some dementia now and and um, he's just sitting in the chair, Linda. He doesn't do anything. He, My, my parents were married 62 years. They did mm-hmm. everything together. I said, tell me something he used to do when he was younger. She said he used to build these big model ships. I said, could he still do that? She said, no, his hands are kind of arthritic. I said, do you want to try an experiment? She said, sure, I'll try anything. They go to the craft store. They have wooden cars. There's like maybe six to eight pieces to put them together. Mm-hmm. I said, buy a dozen of them. I said, I know a nursery school that could use them. And ask Dad, do you think he could paint these and put them together for the nursery school? Mm-hmm. Well, before he had passed away, he was up to like 70 dozen cars and boats. <laughs> giving them to schools. Skyping with kids in different schools. Every morning he got up. He had his purpose to make the boats and make the cars. And uh, I said to her, boy, that must have got pretty expensive. She goes, you know what? It was cheaper than the antidepressant he had been taking. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so, wow. That purpose is so important. I, I, I'm going to share a story of just with my mom. You know, I yeah. was... Uh, I, I was selling real estate. And I used to help families transition people into, you know, different care homes from mm-hmm. assisted living to market rates and memory care and nursing homes. And when it came time for my own mom um, to move, I was like, well, no, I can do better than that. You know, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I'm a little different than everyone else. And, and so we, it was kind of funny. We, we had talked as a family and the, the goal was always, and mom wanted to come live with us. Well, my dad ended up, dying first, which no one expected my dad to die first. And um, she, after about three weeks of him being in the nursing home, because he, he fell down two flights of steps, she said, uh, she woke up just totally clear one morning and said, I, I want to move into the nursing home with dad. And I oh. remember out of my mouth was only, but that, but that's not the plan. You know, we, as a family, right. you go through all the planning and all the work and, and I said, well, Mom, why? And again, in this moment of clarity, she said, we've been together 49 and a half years, and I'm not leaving them now. And I just got teary-eyed, and I thought, oh, my gosh, she remembered. I mean, she, this is a woman who couldn't pick out what clothes to wear in a day, you know, due to the weather. Right. And um, 
So I thought I'd make that happen, and I'll never forget. And I was I was still a little nervous about it, um, but I said I, I told them I don't want her to move into his room because she doesn't need to watch him die. I want her on the highest um, functioning floor because right. she's still very social. And um, I'll take him. I'll take her up to see him every day, but she has to have one meal and do one activity on her own floor. So she's acclimated, which worked out Good. beautifully. But I'll never forget the day I walked in, and there's my mom sitting with her peers with an activities person kind of in the middle, and their horseshoe around her. And she has this uh, Oprah magazine, and, and it's a fold-up, so it's like four pages. And it's just beautiful, beautiful colors of, of gardens and flowers. And they are all so engrossed, and they're telling stories of gardening and they're talking about the colors and I and I remember standing in that doorway thinking I could never give her that I as a daughter I couldn't give her what a peer group could and so you know I always encourage families to realize how important our friends are it's important for people with dementia to have their peers as well very powerful very powerful Plus, it took the scary out of where she was living because I understood the concept from a whole different angle once I once I literally saw how joyful she was in that yeah. moment, you know, yeah. and, and how hard they work. And yet I know most families, you know, say, oh, I'm never going to move you there. <laughs> you know, but, well, you know, but, what happens is, that, so a caregiver, you know, we have the big conversation, when is the time, when is the time, and. Many times my caregivers will make the decision. Their mm-hmm. loved one will go, go into a community. And their loved one is just doing fine. Mm-hmm. The caregiver that's having the issue. They go there. Their loved one's dancing. They're doing different things. They're, you know, they're like, oh, hi, good to see you. Bye. Yep. And, and I say to my caregivers, most of the time, the decision is going to be much harder for you than it is going to be for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody realizes that till it happens. Well, yeah, it's the letting, it's, Again, it goes back to the letting go of what was and appreciating what is. And, and what for we me, <laughs> and for me, um, one of the big um, turning points for me was I had to get out of what the past was and what that routine was, and I had to start focusing on instead was my mom safe, happy, and pain free. Then I looked exactly. at everything totally differently, and I could appreciate her joy. And oh, excuse me. <laughs> and when I could appreciate her joy, I felt joyful. Exactly. Kind of rolled off. That was a big, big lesson. Um, yeah, you kind, of, you kind of like say to yourself, "I did good." Mm-hmm. I did good. Yep. And that's what we have to say to ourselves as caregivers. We have to appreciate what we do do. Yep. Because we don't. We don't. We just say, "This is what I'm supposed to do, and this is how I do it, and this is what I do." But when I say to caregivers. Sit down and do me a favor when you have some time. Sit down, make a list of some of the things you've accomplished in the past six months, and you're like, oh, my goodness, Linda. I did yep. a lot. I made yep. all these changes. I, I solved these problems. I figured things out. I was like, yep. yeah, you did. You did. And you need to be proud about that. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people, too, and, and you know, be proud, but don't be quiet about it. Let other exactly. people know what you've learned, <laughs> you know, because, exactly. because I think that is one of the big shifts that I have seen is that people are, they really want to hear from people in the trenches. They really want to hear. Because we're talking hear. about it more. Yep, 
Yep. And the the medical and academic models, you know, some people really want those things. But to me, the people that I talk with, I would say 75 to 85% say, let me hear what others have tried. Because, I, because they know it wasn't just a, a theory per se, that it was right. actually – you know, test driven <laughs> and and yeah. they understand that it may or it may not work for them, but it's another tool in their pocket and typically it's practical and it's not as hard as they think. And I think sometimes, sometimes with the Oh go ahead. Sometimes I think they just a fear is dispelled. <laughs> so I can remember one time a woman came into a group and she just wept through most of the group. She didn't really say anything. And then all of a sudden at the end she said, my husband thinks he's, I'm cheating on him. I would never cheat on him. I was together 50-something years or something. And the other women go, my husband went through that stage. Yes, honey, that's part of the disease. Yeah. And you just see her go. <sighs> yeah. Because she probably yeah. wouldn't have said that to anybody else. She might not have said that to her friends or her family or her pastor or whoever. But when finding yeah. out that she wasn't alone was like – just like a, a, a burden was lifted. Yeah. I, we had a, a situation like that in our memory cafe where um, in a memory cafe, for those of you who don't know, is for uh, people with dementia and their care partners. And, and this one woman who <clears throat> they've given me permission to tell their story, but Mary Ann said, yeah, we kind of had an issue last night and her husband sitting next to her burning goes, did we? And she said, yeah. And he's like, well, what <laughs> happened? And she said, well, you know, it was time to go to bed and you gave me this big hug, and you said, you're a really nice lady, but you need to leave because I'm married. And she said her heart her heart sunk because he didn't know who she was, and then it was lifted because she said, I know he never cheated on me. And, and so the group all says, well, what'd you do? What'd you do? And she said, well, I, I went and I slept in the guest bedroom. And then she got really quiet for a few seconds, and uh, she said, no, I didn't. She said, I did go in the guest bedroom. She said, but I didn't sleep a wink. She said, I was up all night praying that in the morning, Bernie would know who I was. And then Bernie, Bernie pats her on the leg and, and looks her square in the eye. And he said, did I? And she said, yeah, honey, you did. And then they gave each other a peck. But what was so profound is that every couple had gone through that and no yes. one had ever told a right and and then they all shared their stories and you know as a facilitator that is so profound to witness and to be able to see how much that helps how much they're helping one another through that process but then again again educating us as well as facilitators with these just beautifully pure stories and how they cope it's I think the stories are more educational than anything. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. It's and there's so it makes many. it real. Exactly, exactly. And everybody can feel they can feel what they're going through. Uh, and if they haven't gone through it, then they're prepared that this could happen. And this, you know, I'm not the only one. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> who to call? Prepared. For yeah. Exactly. Well, Linda, we have about ten minutes left, and um, I wanted to give you more time if there were if you wanted to talk about the conference more or anything else. I don't want to cut you short. I, I'm so excited for your your conference again. That's coming up November second, third, and fourth, and that is going to be virtual. 
And if I'm not mistaken, that is free for people. Yes, free to uh, and, <clears throat> and they can go back and, and watch this without any cost as well, which I think is yeah. um, amazing that you're doing that. Um, I think that well, is a, it, it's so fabulous having the recordings because, like, even with the radio show, people will say to me, um, Linda, that wasn't my issue six weeks ago, but it's my issue now. I need yeah. to hear that again. Or, or my sister needs to hear this. Or my husband <laughs> yeah. needs to hear this. <laughs> yep. Um, or the kids need and, to and, hear it, yeah. And then they can present it whenever they want, though, you know, when the time is right. And say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm having this issue. I would like you to listen to this. So that's what I love about having everything virtual and recordings. Um, but I'm excited. You know, we have Cam Cummings is our keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And she's the author of uh, Untangling um, Alzheimer's. And she's fabulous. Yeah, and then we have wonderful. the Parkinson's Foundation. My um, part-time caring for my brother right now who has Parkinson's. So I've been getting a better education in Parkinson's. So we'll have the Parkinson's Foundation. Um, we're also going to have A&E Corner. A&E Corner stands for Adaptable Equipment. And, uh, and each day they're going to show us the latest and greatest new inventions for caregivers of, of things that can help them. Wonderful. And then we're going to have um, a, a, an attorney talking about just the legal basics for caregivers. Um, we will have um, a conversation about mental health support and medical marijuana. We'll have Dr. Kate McCarty. You know Kate, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And she'll do uh, Survive to Thrive, partnering with dementia. And then we have Dr. David and Melissa Bernstein, who is going to talk about healthy engagement in the kitchen. Uh, and then we have DeLon Canterbury. He is a precision medicine pharmacist, and we're going to talk about how much too, medica- too much medication we're taking these days and what we can do about that. Oh, that's um, a really important one that throws people for a loop, so... Well, I'll tell you, through his his company, I was just genetically tested, and the test shows certain medications that I should never have in my entire life. Oh, interesting. Now, now my doctor has that, because you know what happens with with people that take the wrong medication or something that's bad. Um, And it also showed that I'm a fast burner. So certain medications, if they were given to me, I would need like double of a dose, Mm -hmm. or else it wouldn't be effective. I think that's very interesting. Um, oh, yeah. And then we're going to have uh, Maureen Rulison and Brian LeBlanc living with dementia strong. Brian has Alzheimer's, um, and they are partners, and they talk just straight day-to-day stuff of what's going on. Like I, I said to Brian one day, because every time they come on the radio show, they're a hit. And I said, Brian, what's something that really bothers you that people do? And he said, you know, Maureen and I will just be standing around chatting, and people will come over and chat with us. Hi, how you doing? He goes, and then they lean into her ear and they whisper, how's he doing? He says, I'm not deaf. I have Alzheimer's. <laughs> yep. You know? So, so true. Really, yeah, he gives a lot of, of, of insightful things. So they'll be fabulous. And then we have um, Pastor Kurt Seedfeld, and he's going to talk about making your um, faith community dementia friendly, which oh, I think is wonderful. really cool. <laughs> You know, yeah. his his organization actually um, was who I worked with to start the first dementia-friendly community in the U.S. with Wisconsin was the Lutheran Home Association. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He's fabulous. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy. And then we have um, Seasons Hospice. And I'm going to talk about music therapy and legacy at the end of life. 
And we have Teresa Wilbanks with Sustainable Caregiving, and she's going to talk about navigating the caregiver river. And then uh, Debbie Sell-Savage, Coping with Dementia, Steps for Becoming a a Dementia-Friendly Community. And then Officer Joel Quattlebaum will talk about scams and how to keep your seniors safe. I think there's something there for everyone. And I hope they'll take advantage. It sounds great. One thing you might want to mention to him and just even to your to your group, <clears throat> I did not know about this one, but it's on Dementia Map. It's called Careful. And Careful okay. monitors, can monitor everybody, everyone's accounts. So if someone is double paying a bill or if they haven't paid a bill or if there's unusual activity, um, yeah, you can get alerted. Yeah. Yeah. You can get you can get alerted, and it's uh, the subscription fee is is just nominal um, compared to the headaches you know that can occur. I just had a, a good friend who was in early stages with Alzheimer's, and she she got caught by a scammer <clears throat> who asked her to oh. bring forty five hundred dollars to Target to buy. Oh. Excuse me, <laughs> my allergies are killing me. To buy credit cards. You know, gift right. cards, and then they yep. and then they told her to don't leave the store until you call us with the numbers on them. And Target right. saw what was happening, and then they stopped it. They refund everything and Thank canceled. Goodness. <laughs> yep, but it was so. What people need to understand is is you know places like Careful and things can really really help or you know, GrandPad, where people um, can't get scam calls in, but they can communicate outside. Um, That experience devastated her so badly. She never really um, came back from that. She was so horrified and embarrassed. Embarrassed, yeah. One of of her friends in my Kiwanis group, and she doesn't have dementia, was just scammed for $5,000. Oh, I mean, it happened. Yep. I said the but other I have to day. Tell you about one of the latest scams that I think is really important. This new one is mm-hmm. uh, so they call you up and they say they have a delivery. They'll be to your house in an hour, and uh-huh. then they come to your house with a big, huge bouquet of flowers and a bottle of wine, and they say it's a gift. And but since they're delivering wine, they have to collect three dollars and forty cents charge for something or other, and it can only be on a credit card. Oh. So, oh, uh, somebody just sent me flowers and wine. I'll give you my credit card for $3.40. Oh, my gosh. And they're off and running. How scary yeah. is that one? It is. Well, I had it happen to me, and I, I didn't fall for it, but I was I was darn close. And the um, showed up on my phone that XL Energy, that's my gas and electric, um, right. was calling me. And it wasn't them. And they said that they were going to turn my, my – um, Gas electric and electric off. off, and you just panic. You just and it's like, exactly. and then I, and then I thought, oh no, I just paid that. I, 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 and I said it to him. I know I just paid that, and I said, give me your number. I'm going to call you back. And they were hesitant, and I just, I got off the phone, and then I called XL Energy, and they're like, right. yep. I said, well, how can your, how can your name show up from a different number, and it shows up that it's XL Energy with, with yeah. the number that I have. And she's like, I don't know how they do it, Lori. She said, but it's horrible. And they're they're cloning these numbers. And so, thank God, if I hadn't recently paid, I don't know what I would have done. You know, if that wouldn't have have made it again. Because you do, you just, you panic, you know. 
and, and I'm right away I'm thinking, how, how could I forget that? You know, and it's like, like exactly. but yeah, they're, they're so sophisticated and they, they, they get you on an emotional string, you know, exactly. and then, and then what I've heard too is once you're on one person's list, they sell you to other scammers. To all their friends. Yeah. Uh, Fabulous. Oh. Say, Hang only, up. Don't answer it. Hang up. Don't answer yeah. it. I know. I don't. I don't. And it's hard for me because I talk with people all around the world, but I don't typically well, answer my answer my phone if I don't know who's calling. Yeah, I, but I just, I'm always afraid. What if it's just somebody that's in distress? You know what I mean? Or one yeah. of my my people. Yep. So, yeah. But better hard. better to listen to a message and call back. Exactly, exactly. Well, Linda, this has just been a wonderful conversation. I appreciate all you do so much. Again, we're talking with the gal who cares for the caregivers, and her website is lindaburhans.com. And the website for the conference, <clears throat> excuse me, is connectingcaregiversconference.com. And then also we've listed her uh, Connecting Caregivers radio show, which is Tantalk1340.com. Um, please check her out. She does amazing work and continues to be a, a light in the world of caregiver, um, trying to help support people in any way that she can. So um, thank you so much for all you do, Linda. It's thank you, my friend. All right, we Wonderful. need to chat more again soon. Okay, thank you. And for our listeners, um, you know, please like, click, and share this show. I, I think Linda's given us a lot of <clears throat> a lot of great information here. And so, again, don't be shy with resources. Uh, pass it along and uh, let others know that, that you liked this and think that it's valuable information. You can always check out more resources <clears throat> for us at alzheimersspeaks.com. And again, I apologize for the frog in my throat today with my with my allergies. Have a great week, everyone, and we will be back tomorrow and Thursday again this week. Bye now. <laughs>